Welcome to the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast. It has been a wee while since you last heard from us, but I can confirm the podcast will be back to its best next year. We will have many more myths to discover, legends to wander over and folklore to explore, with the added interview here and there, and a few more things that are carefully tucked up our sleeves for now. First of all, I'd like to fill you in on what has been happening over the last few months. Well, I wrote a novel, or a saga. December 21st will see the launch of the saga of Aedis Vralfelder, published by Freida Literary. Let me read you the short description. A woman emancipated, a woman condemned, a woman consumed, women vindicated. The warmth of the Gwati reveals the odds and the antler, the bone flute and the red cloak, which help Aedis maximise her agency in a patriarchal era. Follow young runaway Aedis, the troll Karinga Iba, and the spectre of Ralvik as they converge in the frozen Northlands, where life is fraught and beautiful in equal measure. Consumed by curses, blessings, and the lilting power of soul songs, the saga of Aedis Vraudfelder is both adventure and adoration of convergent cultures and traditions, wrapped in an intense cycle of winter and renewal. So, if this sounds like a tale to while away the dark winter nights, then you can find it worldwide in stores and online, in ebook, paperback, and hardback. I've provided a few links in the show description, but just in case, here they are freedamedia.ca forward slash shop forward slash saga of Aedis Siobhan Clark and for the ebook we have smashwords.com forward slash books forward slash view forward slash 11532292 I definitely recommend checking out the Freida website there you can peruse the work of its authors and the Micro Macrocosm magazine oh P.S. The audiobook of the saga is also on its way. I'll keep you all posted on dates in the weeks and months to come. If you have a chance, please pop on over to Instagram, where you will find the incredible illustration of Aedis and Iba by none other than Jacob Faust, who lends his talent to the wonderful Saga Thing podcast and can be found under Scarpaden underscore illustrator. And I do believe the illustration will accompany some of the books. Trust me, it's amazing. If you have seen some of the promo clips for the saga online, you'll have heard the music of Torov. He has very kindly given us permission to feature it on the podcast, and indeed we shall. I'll include a link to his Bandcamp page where you can listen to more of his outstanding work. Just in case, it's torov.bandcamp.com. Today, we have the tale of Thudrandi, whom the goddesses slew. An interesting and, I think, fitting story for this time of year. You can find it within the World Classics Collection. It's translated by Gwyn Jones for Oxford University Press, who very kindly gave me permission, and whose link I will provide should you be interested in Eric the Red and other Icelandic sagas. The short story of Tidrandi is quite interesting for a few reasons. Like many sagas, it begins by introducing the key characters, 
with Tidrandi, the bearer of many desirable qualities, being the poor young man who falls victim to some mysterious but deadly villains on horseback. His short life snuffed out before it can be saved by nine more women riding white horses. This event presents us with some great imagery. Who are these women? What could they represent? I say this really for two reasons. Firstly, the conversion to Christianity in Iceland around the year 1000. Tidranda Thatur Oktorhos can be found in the saga of Olaf Tryggvason, compiled in Iceland in the 14th century. The Norwegian king Olaf, with the assistance of missionaries, introduced Christianity to the Orkney Islands, the Faroes and Iceland. Secondly, we have the description of the women. We are told they are goddesses, and perhaps they are desir. Female spirits or deities, closely associated with norns and fate, often appearing as guardians of a clan, place or individual, and to whom sacrifices can be made. And the story does tell us it is the time of the harvest feast. In Myths and Symbols in Pagan Europe, H.R. Ellis Davidson considers this fairy tale when talking about land spirits. She says, Under Christian influence, the Desir might be seen as equivalent to guardian angels in a pagan context. The story of the death of Tidrandi illustrates this. This might then explain the description of the goddesses, as it is a little different than we might expect. They are divided into two groups of nine. Those in black are the attacking force, while the women in shining raiment arrive too late to save Tidrandi. It almost sounds a little like a battle between good and evil for the very life, or soul, of a man. However, I'd like to hear what you think after listening to this thoughter. As always, feel free to get in touch. Contact details will be in the show notes and at the end of the podcast. Before we join Tidrandi, I would like to thank Oscar Bragi of Speak Viking who was superb in helping me with pronunciation. You can find Oscar online at speakviking.com, where learning Icelandic can be simple, easy and fun. You'll also find Oscar on Facebook. Trust me, if you'd like to learn a new language, consider Icelandic and Oscar will be the chap for you. All links will be in the notes. So then, to the story. Thidrandi, whom the goddesses slew. There was once a Norwegian named Thorhall. He came out to Iceland in Earl Hakon's time and settled in Sirlegjuros, with a home at Horgsland. Thorhall was a wise man and skilled at reading the future. He was called Thorhall's seer. Now, while he was living at Horgsland, Siduhall was living at Hof in Alftafjord and there was the closest friendship between them. Hall used to stay at Horgsland every summer on his way to the assembly, and Thorhall often went visiting out east and would spend long periods there. Hall's eldest son was called Tidrandi, a handsome and accomplished young man whom Hall loved best of all his sons. Once he was old enough, Tidrandi went trafficking from land to land, and found lots of friends wherever he came, for he was a man of many and remarkable good qualities, yet modest and gentle with every man and child. It happened one summer that Hall, as he rode home from the assembly, 
invited his friend Thorhall out east to visit him, and somewhat later, Thorhall came along, and Hall welcomed him with as much warmth and joy as ever. Thorhall stayed there over the summer, and Hall vowed that he should not leave for home till the harvest feast was over. This same summer, Tidranti came back to Iceland, to Berjufjord, and was now eighteen years old. He went home to his father's, and people were as charmed with him this time as ever, and extolled his many virtues. But when others were loudest in their praise of him, Thorhall Seer would always hold his peace, till one day Hall asked him the reason why. For anything you have to say, Thorhall, appears to me well worth attending to. It is not because anything in him or you displeases me, Thorhall told him, or that I am slower than the rest to perceive how handsome he is and how able. It is rather this, that there are men enough to praise him, and indeed he has many fine qualities to justify it. Not that he is unduly proud of them himself, but it is possible that you are not going to be happy with him much longer. And in that case, your grief after so gallant a son will be quite enough without the whole world singing his praises to your face. As the summer wore on, Thorhall's spirits fell lower and lower, till Hall asked him the reason why. I am worrying, replied Thorhall, about this harvest treat of yours, for I have a foreboding that a seer will lose his life at the feast. I can clear that up, said his host. I own a twelve-year-old ox whom I call seer, because he is wiser than other oxen. He is to be slaughtered at the harvest feast, so there is no need to distress yourself. For I intend this entertainment of mine, like the others before it, to be an honor to you and to all my men. I did not raise this, replied Thorhall, because I was afraid for my own life. My foreboding is of an event greater and more wondrous than I can as yet bring myself to declare. Well, there is nothing to stop the feast being put off, said Hall. Saying that won't help us, ruled Thorhall, for what is fated must go forward. The feast was arranged for the first nights of winter. Few of those invited came, for the weather was cruel, hard and difficult to get about in. When they were all seated at the table that evening, Thorhall had this to say. I want to ask you men to take my advice here, so that no one whatsoever goes out of doors tonight, for great harm will follow should this be disregarded. Whatever happens by way of portent, pay no attention to it, or should anyone answer, disaster will surely follow. Hall told them to mark Thorhall's words, and obey them, for they never missed their mark, he said, and better bind a whole limb than an ailing. Fidrandi was waiting on the guests, for he was as modest and willing in this as in all else, and as men were settling down for the night, he gave up his own bed to a guest and lay down on a bench at the farthest edge of the wainscot. 
When almost everybody had fallen asleep, there came a summons at the door, but no one made as though he heard it. This happened three times. By now, Thidrandi had started to his feet. This is a fine thing, he said, the way everyone is pretending to be asleep. These must be guests arriving. He picked up his sword and went outside, but he could not see a soul. Then it occurred to him that some of the guests must have ridden on ahead to the house and then have turned back to meet those who were coming along more slowly. So he walked under the woodpile and heard the noise of riding from the north into the home field. He saw that there were nine women there, all in dark raiment, and they held drawn swords in their hands. He heard likewise the noise of riding from the south into the home field, and there too were nine women, all in bright raiment and on white horses. Fidrandi now wanted to get back indoors and tell them of this sight, but the dark-clad women came up with him first and set upon him, and he defended himself well and bravely. A long while after, Thorhall awoke and asked whether Thidrandi was awake too. He got no answer. They had slept too long, cried Thorhall. They went outside. It was moonlight and frosty weather. They found Thidrandi lying wounded. He was carried indoors, and when they got word of him, he told them all that had appeared. He died that same morning at daybreak, and was laid in the how, after the old heathen fashion. Later, inquiry was made of the movements of men, but they could think of no one likely to be enemies of Tidrandi. Hall asked Thorhall what such a prodigy could mean. I don't know, was the reply he got. But I can guess this much. These women can have been none other than the wraiths of you and your kinsfolk. And I guess too that there will be a change of faith among us, and that shortly a better faith will come here to Iceland. And I believe these spirits of you who have followed the old faith must have known beforehand of your changing and how they would be rejected of you and yours. They could not bear to exact no toll of you before parting, and will have seized on Thidrandi as their due. But the better spirits must have wished to help him, but did not arrive in time to do so. Even so, those of your family who are to adopt the unknown faith they foretell and follow will be helped by them. But Hall took the death of his son Thidrandi so hard that he could not bear to live at Hof any longer, and moved to Thvata. It happened one time at Thvata, when Thorhall Seer was there on a visit to Hall. But Hall was sleeping in a bed closet, and Thorhall in another bed there. There was a window in the bed closet, and one morning, when they were both awake, Thorhall began to laugh. What are you laughing at now? asked Hall. 
I am laughing, replied Thorhall, because many a hill is opening, and every living creature, great and small, is packing his bags and making this his moving day. And, a little later, that event came to pass, which must now be told, of the coming of Christianity to Iceland. As always, thank you for listening. And my apologies for losing my breath and my voice. With winter comes the mischief of coughs and sniffles. If you would like to get in touch, you can find me on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram as LoreMyth. There is also a Facebook page and good old email, mlegendlore at gmail.com. Keep safe and well over the holidays, and we'll meet again in the new year. I'm Siobhan Clark, and you've been listening to the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast. <laughs>